This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Jens Stoltenberg, NATO's Secretary General, said the alliance was closely monitoring the whereabouts of Yevgeny Prigozhin, the mutinous head of the Wagner Group of Russian mercenaries, and his troops. He confirmed Mr. Prigozhin had been moving around. Earlier, Alexander Lukashenko, Belarus's president, said that Mr. Prigozhin was in St. Petersburg, not Belarus. Mr. Prigozhin has not been seen in public since the rebellion against Russia's leaders on June 23rd. He had agreed to stop his march on Moscow in exchange for amnesty for his soldiers and exiled to Belarus. Twitter threatened to sue Meta, accusing Facebook's parent company of stealing trade secrets by hiring former Twitter employees and assigning them to work on Threads, a new Twitter competitor. A lawyer for Twitter sent the letter to Mark Zuckerberg, Meta's boss, shortly after Threads launched in over 100 countries. On Thursday, less than 24 hours after the app launched, Mr Zuckerberg said it had drawn 30 million sign-ups. America's labour market showed new signs of resilience to interest rate hikes. Job openings in May remained high at 9.8 million, down from 10.3 million in the previous month, according to new data from the Labour Department. Layoffs remained steady at 1.6 million. 4 million Americans quit, up 250,000 from April, indicating confidence that they could find better work elsewhere. Employment figures for June will be released on Friday. A Swedish court jailed a Kurdish man with links to the PKK, an armed separatist Kurdish group, for four and a half years. It is the first time Sweden's beefed-up terror laws have been used in a PKK-related case. They were altered to persuade Turkey to allow Sweden's accession to NATO. Turkey has stalled Sweden's bid, arguing it is a haven for PKK terrorists. Janet Yellen, America's Treasury Secretary, starts her trip to China on Thursday to ease tensions between the world's two largest economies. The second visit by a senior Washington official in as many months comes days after China restricted exports of two metals critical to making microchips. A senior Treasury official warns that it is unlikely to produce significant breakthroughs. Hong Kong's legislature voted to slash the number of directly elected seats in district elections, in effect erasing one of the last remnants of democratic freedom. Only 88 seats of 470 will be chosen by the public. Others will be appointed by the city's leader or government committees. In the most recent local elections in 2019, pro-democracy parties secured a landslide victory. The Netherlands will return 478 valuable artefacts removed from Sri Lanka and Indonesia during the colonial era including the Lombok treasure that was looted from a Balinese royal palace. It is the first restitution the country has made to its former Asian colonies. The Java man, a human fossil, will not be returned, despite the Indonesian government's requesting its repatriation in 2022. And figure of the day, 
12 million euros, or $13.1 million. The amount Paleo, a company, has raised to create woolly mammoth burgers. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Yellen's Olive Branch to China It has been more than four years since America's top economic official last visited China. Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, is trying to make up for some of that lost time. She arrived in Beijing on Thursday and will depart on Sunday. A few days of high-level meetings cannot address, let alone solve, all of the problems bedeviling the relationship between the world's two biggest economies. Even so, more dialogue is a step in the right direction. As the member of Joe Biden's cabinet seen as most friendly towards China, Miss Yellen is a good emissary for rebuilding diplomatic bridges. She is likely to tell her Chinese counterparts, including Haley Feng, the country's economic czar, that America still wants deep commercial ties, but Chinese officials are well aware that security hawks dominate policy circles in Washington these days, and that doves like Miss Yellen are an increasingly rare breed. America Walks an Economic Tightrope America's job market is perhaps the most important variable in the global economy today. If hiring remains ultra-strong, the Federal Reserve will probably press on with raising interest rates, even at the risk of causing financial turmoil. If, however, unemployment shoots up, the Fed would stop tightening, knowing that growth is stalling. But for now, a more ambitious scenario looks probable. The job market may remain robust enough to justify at least one more rate increase, but with enough cracks in it to provoke concern that the Fed is going too far. A raft of data out on Friday is expected to show that job creation in June was strong by historical standards, but weaker than in previous months. At the same time, the unemployment rate probably ticked up. But rapid wage growth may still point to stubbornly high inflation. Getting the policy balance right is only getting harder. Taiwan eyes a tech rebound. Most of the world's semiconductors, used in everything from smartphones to advanced American weaponry, are made in Taiwan. The island also makes gadgets, such as personal computers and various components. A slowdown in global tech demand, largely caused by inflation, is thus squeezing its export-dependent economy. Exports have shrunk year-on-year year for nine consecutive months, causing it to slip into recession. On Friday, the Ministry of Finance will release the latest trade figures. DBS, a Singaporean bank, estimates that exports fell by 13.1% year-on-year in June, a slight improvement on May's 14.1%. And economists expect a further improvement for Taiwan's economy. The AI hype could help boost export demand, and an end to the region's brutal pandemic lockdowns has sparked new life into the island's restaurants, shops, and other services. Unemployment reached a 22-year low in April. Economic growth could be back in positive territory by the third quarter, according to DBS. 
the Church of England at Loggerheads. On Friday, the Church of England's legislative body, the General Synod, gathers in York for a five-day session. The mood is gloomy. Two weeks ago, the Church disbanded its independent safeguarding board. A panel of three experts who scrutinized the institution's response to abuse of all kinds, including sexual. Two members of the panel told the Daily Telegraph, a newspaper, that the church had been obstructing their work. That is not the Synod's only problem. At its previous meeting in February, it approved a controversial plan to bless, but not conduct, same-sex marriages. Liberals wanted to go further and criticized church leaders for reaffirming a resolution from 1998 stating that gay sex was, quote, incompatible with scripture. Conservatives opposed the reforms. The Global South Fellowship of Anglican Churches, which claims to represent three-quarters of the world's Anglicans, said earlier this year the Church of England had disqualified itself as its mother church. Expect a tense gathering. P.J. Harvey's New Musical Landscape In the fourth decade of her career, P.J. Harvey, an English songwriter, remains a unique figure in alternative rock. Abrasive early works, such as Fifty Foot Queenie, are still much imitated. But Miss Harvey has long since moved on, creating more textured music in ever-evolving forms. Her new album, I Inside the Old Year Dying, arrives seven years after her last. It is characteristically oblique, yet there is no mistaking that this complex, atmospheric record, played largely live in the studio, is an intimate portrait of the landscape, nature, and seasons of her native Dorset. The themes and mood on I Inside recall Kate Bush's experimental song suite, The Ninth Wave. Its depth, range, and intensity mark it out as a rural counterpart to William Doyle's Your Wilderness Revisited, an album celebrating the suburbs released in 2019. Miss Harvey makes these songs feel as if they have grown directly out of the West Country's ancient soil. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Friday. Which Spanish court painter is known for works such as The Third of May, 1808, and a portrait of the Duke of Wellington? Thursday. Which tennis champion was stabbed in the back in 1993 by an obsessed fan of rival Steffi Graf? The winners of last week's crossword. Thank you to everyone who took part in our weekly crossword published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners chosen at random were Rosemary Quinn, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, Abhinav Garg, Pleasanton, California, America. Sunny Garslev, Copenhagen, Denmark. They all gave the correct answers of Wavelengths, Wagner, Earth, and Scheme. 
Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Robert A. Heinlein, who was born on this day in 1907. Never underestimate the power of human stupidity. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.